Okay, it's the Craggy Rugby Podcast pre-season game against Bristol edition. Myself and William are sitting in the press box for once in our in our career for this podcast. Um, it's lovely up here, William. Yeah, it's very nice. It's, uh, it's a t-shirts and shorts afternoon. People wandering around eating ice creams, not something you usually associate with a sports ground. Pitch looks good. Nice buzz around the place. Interesting to see in the Connacht 26 nominated players is Bundy Aki is there. So yeah, be interesting just to see what happens. The, the, these games, these games used to always have a, feel, a feeling of being a bit meaningless, but I think modern coaching scenario, these are quite important games. It's a real opportunity to run through uh, plays and just to see how players react. And you know, maybe there's guys who don't go well in training, but they go better in a game setup. So. That's their chance because it all kicks off for real next Saturday. It does indeed, and we'll just wait now as Connacht do their normal half-pitch lap, and um, we'll talk again on 20 minutes, but a decent crowd here. Okay, William, 20 minutes gone. Connacht lead by seven points to nil. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's... it's Fairly typical start of season game. It's, there's, a, there's a few errors uh, creeping in. There's been some nice play. Jared Butler's uh, sort of stood out a little bit for Connacht, and um, it's quite enjoyable. It's free flowing game. Um, Connacht with the amount of possession possibly would feel they'd want another score on the board, um, but so far so good. Yeah, yeah, a couple of great breaks by Matt Healy, who looks um, back to his best. I suppose the biggest talking point in the first 20 minutes is the new away jersey. Yeah, there's, there's um, well, it's different. It's the only thing I can say about it. It's uh, well, you're going to see it, folks. And um, no, I don't think I would say that one works. No, it doesn't for me either. We talk again at halftime. Oh, oh, intercept by Bristol, and it's now seven points each. Okay, William, it's half time, and as we finished on 20 minutes, there was an intercept for Bristol, and there's been no score since, still 7 all. Yeah, it's got very disjointed in the last 20 minutes there. Both sides, uh, a lot of huff and puff, but not, uh, not much uh, result at the end of it. Uh, but some players have stood out very well. Uh, Butler's all around the field for uh, Connacht. Matt Healy looking very lively, Daryl Leader. And. Um, we expect now there'll be some significant changes at half-time. Kieran Marmion has played 40 minutes, Sultan Delan, Pip, possibly you'd, you'd expect them maybe to come off. We'll, we'll see how they're going to play this. At seven each, the crowd seem to be enjoying themselves, they're all in good form, and um, we'll see what the second half brings. Hopefully the quality will uh, return to something like we saw in the first 15 minutes. Indeed, indeed, and on the jersey front we're getting a bit of abuse on Twitter about our dislike of the jersey, so I still can't get to like it, even if it is turquoise or whatever colour it is. We'll talk again on 60 Minutes. OK, William, 60 Minutes in, and Connacht have just got a penalty try from a scrum after being in trouble with it all day. Yeah, and it's under the new regulations, so they didn't have to kick the conversion, which speeds the game up considerably. Uh, yeah, they've, they've been in control, really, the second half. They've looked a lot sharper, a bit more on the ball. Bristol have made quite a few substitutions. The big news for Connacht is that Bundy Aki has come on, got a fabulous cheer. Uh, he was tearing up and down the, the touchline, looking very fit and raring to go. Uh, Kieran Marmion, nice try after four minutes, some, some good work sniping, and uh, that wasn't converted, but... 
We'll see how it goes now for them. They'll probably make a few more substitutions, but this, this has been a better 20 minutes of rugby. It has, and of course the, the news that everyone wants to talk about is the jerseys got changed at halftime, and now we've got the European jersey on, which is blue at the front and green at the back. Yeah, someone I've never seen before, other than teams usually in a mud bath having to change their jerseys at halftime, but um, we're getting a full cornucopia of jerseys today. Indeed, indeed. We'll talk again at full time. Okay, William, full time. Final score is 24 14. Quite impressive in the end from Connacht. Yeah, they, 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 they tightened it up, and uh, the penalty try probably came at exactly the right time. And then Rory Scholes had a moment of horror when he missed the tackle that let uh, Prothero get in for a try for Bristol that brought them back to 19-14 but then two minutes later he got in for a try so it's a good way to finish your pre-season get a win nobody injured Um, surprisingly for me Alton Delan played the full game he looks tired now but everybody got a good run out including Bundy and uh, I'd say everybody is just about available for selection for when it gets serious next Saturday and we're going to go off and get some post-match interviews and then we'll have uh, the rest of the cracky crew here to um, dissect the match and talk jerseys. Kieran, good to get a win under Connacht's belt before the start of the main process next week. Yes, it's lovely to get a win here. I was pretty uh, humbled, actually, by the crowd. I thought... um, I hadn't experienced anything like that in pre-season, so um, that part was really nice. It was a beautiful day. The whole, uh, the whole atmosphere of the of the of a pre-season game uh, here is pretty unique, I'd suggest. So it was a beautiful day, some great rugby, and it was a good result for us. Yeah. Um, no injuries. Well, that's a bit early to say, to be fair. There's two games in a week uh, for these boys, so we've certainly put them to the sword. Um, this fellow on my left here's had a fair bit of football, so he's what I would call hard fit. Hello. And Bundyaki coming back. He was raring to go on that touchline. Mm. Uh, that was a nice surprise for everybody. Actually, the fans seemed uh, well up for that. Yes, no, he's uh, a favoured son, isn't he? He's, he's done some marvellous deeds here on this pitch, uh, and you know, all credit to him for that. So he's very popular. It was nice to see him get a little bit of a, uh, a run. So we're a little bit... Uh, well, he's under a, a bridal still, so uh, he's only playing limited minutes, mainly, mainly to look after him. Jared, uh, are you pleased with the way it went for you? Yeah, I think in the first half we um, did some good phases and scored some nice tries and um, kind of did what we wanted to. Um, and I think in the second half where maybe we weren't executing as well in attack, you know, because you know, maybe a bit of fatigue or whatever like that, I think um, we, we saved ourselves a couple of times in defence really well, you know, some of the back threes and especially the guys that came on worked really hard when um, maybe things weren't going our way and didn't let them score points like they might have you know, last week or something like that. So that was exciting. And I think in games throughout the year, you need to be able to you know, recover from 
mistakes because they're going to happen. So that was, I think, the, the pleasing, the most pleasing part for sure for me personally. And how are you finding settling in at Connacht? So far, really good. Yeah, it's nice. Um, the weather hasn't really turned yet. Everyone keeps telling me like, don't get used to it and don't get used to it. It's coming, but um, you know, so far is awesome. The, the game today was unreal. Perfect weather and. Um, like like Keiko said, to have a crowd out like like this in a troll game, it felt like it was round one. The support we had, and you know they'll hear it when I arrived at like twelve o'clock. They were already rolling in, so um, you know, it's pretty cool and it's exciting for next week. Karen, in terms of selection for next week, you're twenty five guys today. Everybody put their hand up saying I won't be part of that squad. You used a lot of players who played on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday didn't play today. You must be feeling reasonably confident that you have a good selection, good depth to be picking for going into the game against Glasgow. Yeah, look, um, I personally feel that we we have uh, a little bit of a, a top side and a little bit of a drop at the moment, which we're trying to filter and bring it closer together. I'm probably using French or some funny language to explain that, but for me, um, the depth is not quite there for us. Um, for a long season for me, but when we get our internationals back and um, some of our injured players, that that framework might change a little bit. So the young fellas at the moment, they've had a, their toes dipped in, and they're doing well. You know, it'll hold them in good stead, but at the moment, they're not quite there. Okay, it's the post-match section of the podcast. We've got a few of the craggy crew have been missing for the summer. Um, we'll start off with Lindley. <laughs> Brendan, Brendan runs by there. We're, we're just recording this at the, the press box. That's true. Oh, yes, and of course we're talking match tickets because a certain county from the province managed to get through to the final of the All-Ireland today. We won't talk about that. Lindley, your thoughts on today's match? I was uh, pleasantly impressed with Connacht today. I thought there was a nice sort of, um, sort of they looked fresh, they looked fit, they looked eager, they looked uh, skillful, they looked, um, they looked like they were enjoying themselves at the same time, and and they won the match. And I was, I, I thought it was a very good workout for them against, you know, a Bristol side that um, Pat Lammers had been blessed to have a lot of money to assemble. Yes, indeed. Haki, we haven't had you on the podcast for quite a while. I believe you're free for the weekend as your better half is up in Dublin. Uh, I'm on the way to Dublin after this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> She's coming home. Uh, yeah, happy lady up there. Um, I thought it was a good run out. It was kind of funny. Usually pre-season games, you see a raft of changes, but there wasn't really. It was very it was very similar to a league game, the way the props come on, the front row come on. Um you know, I just thought I found that a bit unusual. I'd say they're serious. It was kind of interesting afterwards. Here, Kieran Kane said he had reckoned he had a like a two-tier squad. Mm. So I get the feeling that that was very close to being the first team squad that we're going to see next weekend. So I'd say he'd really like to hit the ground running there. Um, yeah, it's good workout though. It's good. Yeah. It was, and and we saw Bundy. We weren't expecting him, Dave, were we? No, I mean given. There was a little bit of a negative buzz going around the midweek after the last game when the injury list came out and there's a few players that were on it that you weren't expecting to be on it. And I think it did give the crowd a little bit of a buzz. There was a very impressive injured bench there at one stage because you had Dennis and Tiernan and um, 
and Quinn Rue was on it, and it was it was a it was a fine, impressive bench. But yeah, Bundy it raised the crowd. He was he, Bundy's first game of the season, first game in how long? Um, he put he did some nice stuff, but he's clearly a little bit ring rusty. But I'm not saying he it, it, you, you don't get the impression Bundy will will struggle to get back into the side. But at the same time, his loss isn't as immediately. It, there isn't a huge, as big a drop-off as you would have feared with what we saw today. I think a lot of guys put their hands up. It was ring rusty. There were simple mistakes. Well, I think there are a few issues regarding the breakdown. We let, we did let. That was where Bristol were probably at their strongest. But all in all, a very impressive guy. Some guys who I hadn't seen before was very impressed with. They certainly were, William. Now that you've had a chance to think about it, and you've we've had a chat with uh, Kieran Kane and the very impressive Jared Butler inside. Your your thoughts now. Yeah, I think he was the standout player today. Uh, he looks to have a lot of skill set and he seems to move around the park at speed. Uh, I, I think, as you'll hear from Kieran Kane, he, he's working them pretty hard. Uh, Ulton Delan was, was walking very slowly at the end of that game. He played the full 80 minutes. Uh, but that's the sort of level of fitness and stuff that he's looking for. Uh, I thought today was quite impressive. Uh, they concentrated well. It got a little bit bitty a couple of times. These games always do. But it was played... Uh, sometimes these games become a bit of champagne stuff. Guys try and... But coaches don't want that. They want them playing proper rugby. Because mm. this time next week, they have to be playing proper rugby. Uh, and, you know, this. we don't know how these conferences are going to work. But I think the one thing you can say is you have to win home games. That's the, the only thing that comes across before you start analysing them. Yeah. Uh, so it was, a, it was a good, great crowd. Uh, 3,794 rec- record for a pre-season game. And I think um, the players and the manager were, or the coach were uh, quite excited just by the general atmosphere. Everybody's raring to go. Yeah, Lindley, uh, uh, Jared made the point that he, he couldn't believe how passionate the crowd were and, and KK said something similar, <laughs> I think, and I thought they were quite quiet for the most part today. Well, I suppose they haven't seen it before, have they? And let's face it, it was a lovely day and it was the perfect day for anyone who wanted to come to a pre-season match. It's also the only pre-season match, obviously, that Connacht are going to have, so obviously it was going to draw more people, part of their pre-season package tickets, and also the prices were, obviously, were a very competitive rate because it was the only one. I think the other thing that possibly you have to remember is that a lot of people did come up possibly out of respect for Pat Lamb because yeah. they did want to see this. They did want to see Pat Lamb and see this Bristol side. Um, so there's also that to take into consideration. But I think the whole point of Pat Lamb coming back with his Bristol and Connacht going out there today with a new coach, also people were very interested to see how, how the game would fare. And, and they'll be delighted that it was that it was Connacht who came out on top. They certainly will. What are your, your expectations for the season now? You've seen our first game Packy I don't know I haven't seen anybody else yet um, I know it's a funny, kind of funny <laughs> thing to say yeah. but the, um, yeah I think it'll be good I was kind of struggling to see what way we were um, we were lined up on the pitch uh, there um, our rook seems to have changed a nice bit mm. um, and the back row really got into it as the game went on so that I'd say you could see that more of that back row uh, in front Butler was excellent actually one thing you were on about the crowd there was um Kieran Kane's reaction when but- Jared Butler mentioned the the crowd here again, and he it was a genuine. Sometimes I feel coaches and players kind of say, "Oh, it's great," and from the, you kind of feel it's a bit of a sell that they're trying to sell the place to the um, to the supporters. But it was completely genuine. Like he's, he just he just widened his eyes. Like he was like he was 
really shocked by it. So I'd say now come uh, when we get here in the depths of winter and there's a, a local derby <laughs> on, I, I, I don't know if they'll be ready for it. Um, Butler, I thought, was excellent. Uh, he looks class He's got great feet, um, really good work rate, uh, great hands, very aware. Um, I think he's going to be a big addition. I thought it was interesting that Ronaldson came off and when Bundy came on. Um, I was I was kind of surprised at that because I think the Kiwis are really like a through like a passer or twelve a, a left footed player they always seem to have like the, mm. that right and left option so I just thought that was unusual but Owen Griffin did have a good game I, I, I'm really I'm wondering I'm really struggling with what way he's going to pick the team next week because uh, as far as I know we're without the internationals so yeah um, we'll see we'll see what way Glasgow are they could be shorn a few as well but I think they're going to definitely need to win uh, that's the biggest thing three 0 will do. Yeah, any any sort of win because Dave, we haven't really got a chance to talk to you. What what's your? We haven't talked to you about the whole Pro Fourteen and conferences and and whatever. But um, what what's your take on the whole new league? No, sorry, new championship. Oh my park, I have absolutely no idea. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly what I think of this championship next May. Uh, I, it could work superbly well. It could be a complete pig's breakfast. I have no idea. I think the biggest issue is who gets the seventh place into Europe. I think that's very messy. Um, but if the top three, uh, top three qualified teams at the top three in the table, fine. The South Africans bring something different to the table. I'm, I'm not sure, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it hasn't been rushed. I think if we, if they'd put their minds to it a year ago and caught the the, the stories that were going around, that the the straws in the wind that they, they were going to drop provinces uh, from Super from Super Rugby, then we may have had a bigger build up. It did seem to me like they were waiting and waiting and waiting for the official announcement before before they did anything, which does surprise me because surely if you everybody here is Chinese whispers and you think they would be starting if this happens what do we do would you like to come on board if it happens and have it ready it did seem a bit rushed the fixture just got a bit rushed um, but we now know what it's going to be uh, we, we're, we're down to where it really matters on the pitch um, I think I've had a look at all the squads I think two squads off the top of my having looked at it I think there are two squads that stand out have definitely improved um, those are Clanetley and those are Leinster um, Leinster have actually only signed two players but somehow have managed to acquire themselves six internationals which is some achievement uh, when you're given the guys who were captain on the summer tour uh, yes Clanetley lost Liam Williams but they brought back Lee Halpenny everybody else is much for muchness I think some squads are are definitely weaker I think we've got we still have the, the elephant in the room of what to do about the Italians um, so for all the good that South Africans coming in we still have the Italians and the problems in Italian rugby there are things that are happening off the pitch how will Munster be affected by what's happened there we were affected by Pat going at the end of the season Razzie's going halfway through the season there is this cloud over Ulster with off the field with the off the field court case um we, there, there is excitement in Newport because Bernard Jack must come in. It's a new reign there. Uh, Edinburgh seemed to have improved. You guys, having talked to you guys, you were extremely impressed by Richard Cockrell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it's unusual. Is it better? I don't know. Is it worse? I, I certainly don't think so. How is it going to pan out? I have no idea because there's so many immutables. How are the South Africans going to cope with Northern Hemisphere? How are we going to cope with travelling down there? It's going to be a really fascinating season, and I'll tell you how it works next May. Oh, geez, that's great when we all know how it's worked but Paki you, you seem quite excited about it all I, I really am we're getting two more or less ready made teams from a rugby country mm. uh, into it I think the possibilities for it are really good um, I, don't th- I don't think it's that complicated I understand what you're saying about the seventh place Dave, but I would be extremely shocked <laughs> if it comes to being that tight at the end of the season the, the generally 
generally doesn't come that way. Plus, that, the way they got it together over a couple of months, uh, I think I think was fantastic. I think that might have been a good thing because uh, the more time you put into thinking about these things, I think they can go they can go right. I, I am really enthusiastic about it. Uh, it'll be great to see um, the cheetahs and kings coming here. Um, I just think it opens more possibilities for the league because the league has loads of um, internationals and it's the best thing about it in my opinion is bar really Treviso and uh, kind of half the teams in Wales it's a union run uh, mm. competition not uh, you see the what's going on with the Aviva Premiership now Mark McCafferty rattling off some more grief over the lines um, I think I think this league can go from strength to strength off the back of that and William, your thoughts after you've had a time to cogitate about what's happened on Wednesday when we were up at what really was a, an impressive launch. Yeah, the launch is very impressive. I think the South Africans are very enthusiastic and I think they will bring something to it. And I th- I think they had to do something. I, I, I think what people really have to grasp was this, this league was in a lot of bother. Uh, there are still issues with the television deal and stuff that have to be sorted out. It's about money. If you, if you don't have the money to keep players and pay them, they're going to go. It's, and you can threaten them with they won't get picked for their international side or whatever it is, but there's a lot of money swirling around French and English rugby. So there had to be some effort made to move this league on, and that's what they've done. And I think it'll be an exciting, interesting, just a different season. And I think they know they're under the microscope they really do they, they've accepted that they know they're being watched all the media is watching them the team the teams are very much behind it but they're also watching them to see how it's managed and how it works and there probably will be some teething problems in year one and things that'll have to be ironed out um, but it's I mean I, th- I think these South African sides are in for three years so there's, there's plenty of time and yeah I just think it's it's a change and hopefully, uh, and I, I think it will, I think it'll work. Um, so we have any other business? Who wants to take it first? Well, I suppose the big, the big news in the national story is that Tom Tierney has stepped down as Irish women's manager. They lost today 27-17 to Wales. They were, I haven't seen it, so I can't make any judgments. I thought they were poor against Australia. Uh, and were lucky to actually get that close to them. I thought they were lucky to be as close as they were to the French. I thought the Japanese were revelationly were a revelation that first half against us. And I thought the only time we played was in that first game against Australia, which you thought would have been the kick up the arse the squad needed. But it's been poor. I think if you get the chance to read what Ruth O'Reilly wrote in the wrote in the Irish Times today, that interview with Gavin Comiskey, it's an eye opener. It doesn't say anything that. Um, is particularly damaging to anybody specifically but the general impression you get is that a lot of the work for the, in prep was done by the players themselves and there was no overall structure um, I think if you lose a home if you lose that many games in your home World Cup you're going to go anyway it'll be interesting to see what um, who they bring in to replace them um, we need to look at women's rugby there's an awful lot of the team is going to, is going to retire they're over the age of 30 Maz Riley's 37 brilliant servant for Ireland but she's not going to go on much longer and she's retired and she's retired and of course you've got the overall hanging which is which is that the sevens game seems to be dominating women's rugby right now you've seen it with the English who are probably who are, I would say are favourites I know New Zealand are good and it'll be a crack, it'll be a cracking game this evening but 
England have decided they're not going to hand out for any, not going to hand out any full-time contracts to 15 aside players, only to seven aside players. It's just been really, really strange watching the game. Because as I say, if you have the best, I, I think England have been the best team in the competition. Why you therefore decide that you're going to torpedo their progress by withdrawing their funding? Basically saying to these guys, you're effectively amateurs now. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. We've seen what that can do. We see, if, again, going back to Ruth O'Reilly, very passionate, very passionate about Irish rugby, Irish women's rugby, very passionate about her teammates and very supportive of them. And just without saying it explicitly, seems to feel that they were, under, they were let down by structures higher up. Um, Tom Tierney is gone. We see what happens. Overall, it's been a good tournament in terms of what it's done in relation to the overall game of women's rugby. But you'd have to ask yourself, in terms of Irish women's rugby, has this tournament really been just one step too far? Because remember, we were we were fourteen, we were level with England with fourteen minutes to go in the Six Nations, and could have won, uh, could have won the title. Admittedly, they blew us away in the last forty minutes, and since then, it's just been downhill and downhill very quickly. I agree. <laughs> I know there's not much you can say on top of everything. It was a shocker of an article. My God, it's not, it read so bad. Not uh, not not to, uh, not against Ruth O'Reilly. What she was saying, she was fantastic. What she said, and fair play to her. Uh, you know, um, but Christ, it Jesus, it read it read. It was, read, oh, it was awful. It was awful. Cannot believe it. Cannot believe it. There's they don't. The, these lessons are all learned years ago, um, with you know different Irish squads. And it's just they just commissioned them again and again and again, and I think the news Nusifora is going to he's he's going to get more more grief over his more bad press. Um, I think I, I think the, I think the person who comes out this worst is Anthony Eddy. Anthony Anthony Eddy has come in with the sevens, with the sevens agenda, and that's one interesting thing with the in Ruth's article. She said there wasn't a huge amount of passion within the squad for seven side for seven side and since Eddie has come in yes it's a different it's a different game I think there's a guy who I think I'd love to see get a chance I and mean, he's not even been mentioned in terms of Colin Scott which is Jordan Conway who I've raved about for a year he's been pulled to the seven squads we won't see him and neither will Buccaneers and he'll be much more important to Buccaneers this year than probably to Conway but he'll be off with the seven side and that's the idea you should be it should be complementary and running parallel that's how the English have done their sevens there's very little interaction between the seven England seven squad and the England 15 15 man squad and why that can't also happen you can have a 7 squad and a 15 squad instead of pulling players out the week before of 6 nations games and send them to Las Vegas for 7s that was a huge huge uh, alarm bell so I think Eddie Eddie is the one Eddie's in trouble Eddie's in trouble in terms of his relationship with the 15 side game I don't think he's in trouble in terms of his position Tom Tierney's fallen on the sword it'll be fascinating to see where it goes from there William yeah there's there's a there's a whole issue. I, look, the, the problem, it's the Olympics. Yeah. That's yeah. what drives th- yeah. this issue about sevens rugby. Um, I'm not going to put a tooth in it. I detest it. I have no interest in it. I don't watch it. I, th- I find it's pointless. It's worse than T20 cricket, and that's saying something in my view, um, because that actually has some semblance of being like cricket, uh, albeit a totally bastardized form of it uh, but I'm, I'm amazed about that situation with England I, I don't know how you do that to players um, because these women work very 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 hard at their game and they're doing it uh, they do they did it knowing this was coming I hope I hope they win tonight because I hope it's it's two fingers back up to the RFU actually but I think sevens is in danger of, of absolutely taking over the women's game. I think 
one of the reasons they go for it as organizations is it's it's easier to coach it's easier to bring people into it uh, it has a skill set and the people that play it at the highest level work very hard at it but i think they they, they need to be careful here because i think it's 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 an ethos thing and I, I'm very disappointed. I feel very sorry for the for the Irish women. I think it's been a great World Cup. It's been good attendances, but they must be absolutely gutted when this is finished up. And now having to pre-qualify for the next World Cup, um, which I'm sure they're well capable of doing. And the one other big highlight was uh, the, the Japanese who did light up the tournament. But um, it's been a, it's been a tough time for them. It certainly has. Anyone got any more slightly more uplifting? <laughs> any other business? I do. Yeah, no, we all know uh, Bundyaki was uh, up in the in the Irish training camp uh, during the week, and uh, a lot of the reaction I've seen online and from media is just constantly giving out about Aki being there is not Irish and every other friggin' thing. What really sickens me and gets on my nerves is that uh, a lot of people may not even know Tyler Blaindell from Munster, who doesn't qualify until January, was there as well. And there's not a single thing being said about him. It's, it's like it's some uh, that they just don't want somebody from uh, the players down here in the West that might be take, you know, they might take over from their, their golden boys. Uh, and it's just, it just sickens me. You can have your opinion on whether um, these players should be playing for Ireland or not. Personally... I agree with it. I I think not out of any uh, anything else to do with nationality. For me, it's that if somebody commits to living six years of their life in the other side of the world, well, then you know they're fairly committed to it. Um, with the player here today, um, who you know, there's been lots of talk about you know, you know that he should be still involved in the Irish gods. Well, you know he's he's played up up in for Leinster for a while, and then he went off to France and didn't work out, and then he's gone playing in the first division in. In England, which is fine, he's you know there's nothing wrong with any of that, but I don't see why, really and truly, I can understand about being born somewhere and all that, but I don't really see, for rugby terms, why he's more deserving uh, to be in an Irish squad than somebody like Bundyaki. I know people will have their opinion on that themselves, but for me, it's just the double standard is sickening. William, I think the thing about Bundy was the fact that he didn't play the media's game. I mean, he, he, he got sick of being asked that every single interview he did, he was asked this question. And he didn't maybe play it the way they wanted to. If he'd said and come out and said, yep, that's my aim, but I won't, I'll have to wait and see what Joe Schmidt decides when I'm qualified. Uh, but some of the stuff that's been written is absolute nonsense. And uh, I, I don't know whether it's a reaction to the fact that... that uh, there's guys floating around the England setup, and we want to get a. You know, we can't really complain about them if we don't play the game about the players that are involved here. Um, I hope it goes very well for him. I hope he does get selected, and, and I think if he does, he'll do a good job. Indeed, my only little any other business is we we chatted about. We had Pat Lamb back here today, um, and you know a lot of people I think turned up to to, to wish him well. And we now have Galway in an All Ireland hurling final and Mayo in an All Ireland football final, and you'd wonder if that's a little bit of the legacy that he might have left and that, you know, the belief that you can come and live in this part of the world and, and be able to go and win. Hopefully both teams will go and win. The old Sandmore's in prime early season form, you'd have to say. Uh, yeah, I think sometimes we are inclined in this part of the world to be uh, a bit sheepish about saying how good we are at things. 
Uh, it's not something uh, that we're brought up to. And I hope both teams do go and win. And it'll be a fantastic double. And maybe some of what Connacht achieve has rubbed off on sports teams and also individuals. You, you don't know what goes through sports people's heads when they see a side from their part of the world winning as underdogs and it just maybe gives them a certain push or a certain one 1%. So good luck to both of those sides. And uh, I mean, we're, we're in action here next Saturday night uh, against Glasgow. So um, that's only a precursor of the big event, which is Sunday. Indeed. Dave? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank the, the GA for putting the replay on at a time that suited absolutely nobody from Mayo, um, <laughs> especially if they were involved with, with reporting on Connacht. Um, I, I, agree, I agree with you, lads. I do think it does feed into it. I do think there is a certain amount of negativity, but I think, I think it ties into what Packy's just after saying, is that would would Bundy be getting this level of abuse if he was uh, about his about his eligibility if he was playing for Leinster? And the answer is no. We saw with CJ Stander, a man who was so bought into the Irish identity and has been an absolute asset to the squad. And nobody questions his Irishness or question whether he should have been part of the Ireland squad. Blayantal is a former captain of the of the New Zealand under under twenties at the World Cup. We weirdly the la, the only current player who was a member of an under twenty All Black team was Rodney. Again, nobody questioned when he was called up to the Irish squad. Finney's Australian. Nobody questioned when he was part of the Irish squad. But they weren't necessarily taking the places of golden boys of, of other of other provinces. And it is about this this media mindset now. I do wear green goggles for Connacht. I wear green and red goggles when it comes to male football and maroon and white when it comes to Galway hurling. But it does feed into each other. It does feed into each other because Connacht definitely showed that you can win the West and sod, sod what's being reported and sod the patronising attitude that comes from the national media. And they showed that to the Galway hurlers. But if the Galway hurlers win and the male footballers win, it'll then, Connacht can then feed off that. Which, actually, no, it reinforces what we did. It all feeds off nicely from each other. So it's a cycle. So if Mayo, who have been patronised by everybody in the last week alone, and Galway, who were told at the start of the season they were a team, they were fantastic hurlers, but they weren't a team, have basically gone two fingers to the, to, to, to the general consensus outside the west of Ireland. And if they win, Connacht can feed off that. And then if Connacht go and do something, have a successful season, the hurlers and footballers can feed off it again next year. It's a wonderful cycle to be in, and long may it continue. He's back, folks. <laughs> he is. And the only other thing that's back is that um, as we come into the sports ground and we're just going to finish off the podcast here, the, the pitch looks absolutely brilliant as usual. And, you know, the stands are looking good. They've all been repainted. But one thing hasn't been repainted. Those goalposts. Those goalposts. We'll leave it there, folks. Hold on. Oh. Alan, got to interrupt you. Um, just to speak on my behalf of myself and Dave and Lindley, the media bench was ever so slightly crowded today they're letting any anybody in these really uh, I'm going to have ordered the stewards here because um, you know you, you can't just let in uh, any kind of riffraff up there there was and, a uh, French guy there today what was he doing yes uh, Alain 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 <laughs> with his berry he was only missing he was, he was only a, he was only a string of onions away from a stereotype well William our, our thoughts were yeah it was alright we want to go back into the crowd yeah, we want to go down with the real people. <laughs> <laughs> we leave it there, folks. Au revoir.